What's happening, you bitch-ass mother lickers? Welcome to In Too Deep. I'm your host, Jack Rowland. And today I am joined by Julian Palmer. Julian is an author, a public speaker, a facilitator of ayahuasca, and the creator of Changa. For those of you out there who are familiar with the psychedelic DMT or dimethyltryptamine, you have no doubtly heard of the slightly less intense, barky DMT-containing smoking mix called Changa. Well, this guy created it. We go deep on all things psychedelic, DMT, plant medicines, shamanism, interdimensional entities, you name it. Please welcome to the show, Julian Palmer. Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. You don't apply. Bad luck. Well, I have one speed, I have one gear. Go, 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 Julian Palmer, thank you so much for coming on. Ple- pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's good to good to be here. Good to be <laughs> good to be where you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I we were just saying um, before we started. I think I saw you give a talk about ten years or close to ten years ago at one of the camping festivals at EGA, which is also known as Entheogenesis Australis, mm-hmm. which is a conference festival for um, what, just um, uh, psychedelics, plant medicines, um, ex- consciousness expansion, or just like uh, discussion, um, healing, health, all sorts of things. So very little music, all, all conferences. Um, I saw you give a talk on basically, I believe it was how to make ayahuasca, um, I think. Well, I think it was, um, I was showing people how to extract, I can't believe it was not DMT. Right. Okay. That's what it was. I think I missed the beginning. <laughs> so, um, what, um, what exactly, what, what, uh, what is your title, your non-official title? Would you say you're a, uh, like a, a, um, a facilitator, a psycho, psycho, oh, psychonaut? No, I don't believe a... in titles. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm opposed to mm-hmm. titles. Excellent. I think, I think titles are for weasels. For weasels. <laughs> yeah. That's why people will call themselves a shaman. So, right. Well, since it's a shaman, like the weasels are not going to go for that. Mm-hmm. But pretty much as soon as you, you, I think you, you limit yourself by calling yourself, you know, you, the title. Yep. Only if I really have to, do I go there? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's um, one of the things that I found very interesting about uh, listening to and watching some of your talks is... um. I guess you're, I don't see it as controversial, but the, the controversial way that you go towards um, ayahuasca would be probably the most, the most common one. Um, not necessarily needing a shaman. Ra- <laughs> ra- radical idea. Oh, my God, my brain is exploding. <laughs> so I've, I've tried ayahuasca once and I had it with a shaman and um, my experience was ruined by the shaman. The shaman was an egotistic dick. Um, and didn't seem to have a huge regard or like neat, you know, attempts to even guide us particularly or, um, or help us heal or respect for our mental state in, in, in a new territory. Was this ayahuasca? This was ayahuasca. And, uh, and then it was, uh, peyote the, the night after. 
the peyote one was actually the... Was this in South America? No, it was in Dalesford. Oh, was, it, was this a Chilean person? <laughs> yes, yeah, it I, was. I heard about this person. Yeah, they had I'm a so glad you said that. A reputation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The, the egotistical dicks are fairly common. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what you don't need. Yeah. You, you, you don't want someone in their ego putting their dick in your face. You don't want that. <laughs> And unfortunately, that's what you often get. Yep. Because the people stepping up are often doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. You know, they're doing it because, it, you know, they feel like the man. And it gives them the sense of power and uh, power over others as well. It gives them that sense as well. And it gives them, you know, that power. Then they get the, you know, they get the chicks. And that's they, exactly how to... And they get, the, they get money as well. So you get everything in there. Mm. And so... That's how that's how I saw it. Mm. When I was hanging out in in Colombia, I drank with a guy who just drank with a little crew of me and some uh, Italian people, and um, he said, "I don't want to get bigger than this because mm-hmm. I will become like all my shaman rock rock star friends, completely corrupted." And unfortunately, if you're like relatively small time dude in South America. And you start getting all the French chicks and um, all the money and the power. It, it gets to your head. It's too much mm. to handle and they blow out. So this is fairly normal. And in the and the Western people are just as bad. So, you know, I say finding, finding a good facilitator is like finding a good mechanic. Right. It's a really fucking hard thing to do. Sure. Sure. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> So is that um has that been uh, uh, somewhat of a backlash in the psychedelic new new age new wave of or, or the rise of the ayahuasca kind of movement? I guess is there been backlash to your um, your ideas of listening to the plants and listening to the chemicals and not necessarily needing the the um, the culture? Yeah. Well, it's it's. I mean, it? when I first get started, when I first got started people would just sort of default knee-jerk, oh, you can't do that. You need a shaman, mm. right? Mm. But they don't know. The shaman in these traditions is not giving your average people these powerful psychoactives. But people would start to go there in the 80s and want the shaman to give them the powerful psychoactives. So then they hopped on the bandwagon and learned how to give, you know, to create mediums and vehicles and vessels to give the tourists an experience. Before that, you know, there were very few people coming along, like people like William S. Burroughs, Trank Yahe, I think back in the 50s. And every now and then someone would go to the Amazon and say, hey, I want to drink something. But even then they might not even have visions. It might not even be that strong. Both Dennis McKenna, um, sorry, um, Terence McKenna and Jonathan Ott when they first went to Iquitos, which is the main sort of jungle center in Peru, neither of them could find a brew that gave them visions because that's not traditionally how they do it. So they had to say, hey, put in the chakruna, put in heaps of chakruna. And then they got the visions they were looking for. So the whole idea, the whole Western idea, oh, you need a shaman. For one thing, they don't have shamans in Amazon. They do, but they're not called that. They're called... You know, they're called vegetalistas, like people who work with the plants. They're called curanderos, people who heal with the plants. 
that's basically it, you know. The Western idea is like a as a glamorized idea, is like a shaman, is like a super a superhero, like a cosmic superhero, who who can, you know, sort the other world out for you and, you know, give you the shamanic experience. <laughs> so you know, I had I had people tell me, oh, you know, if you drink with Julian, you don't get the shamanic experience, you know. So there's all these like. There's all these ideas that people have um, about how it should be or what it's about. Um, where for me, what it's about is experiencing the plant medicine, connecting to the plant. And it's not about religion like the, like it is in the Brazilian church. It's not about ideology. It's not about appeasing the consumer or giving the feeding their illusions and all this sort of stuff that people who are, if you're marketing, you're, you're going to get more people and you're going to do better, you know, appeasing to people's religions and marketing to what their expectations are, just like the, the like just what they do in the Amazon. Mm. And they will, you know, wear the feathers and they'll do what they need to do to get the most French chicks come to their groups. <laughs> Simple as that. And then they all fight each other. Who has the most French chicks? They fight each other and have battles, and it's all about that for them. It's all about dark sorcery. For the average Western person, they don't want to hear this. This is not, this is not consonant with their idea of what their shaman figure is like. So they don't want to hear that, and often it 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 they get their illusions um, popped when they when they you know, quote unquote shaman puts a spell on them and their girlfriend and their French girlfriend falls in love with him. And, and he's like a 90 year old old guy. And <laughs> so this is, this is all fairly normal. This is generally how it works. So do you, so you're saying that's a common trait, but not like kind of, I mean, there, there are um, shaman, there's shamanistic uh, traditions that were kind of the, 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 the heavy hallucination or visual visual aspect to it like that's not a western create like that's not a supply and demand thing I mean maybe to an extent but I mean did that that was a thing right well it depends like I haven't done a huge amount of anthropological reading hmm. about all the different shamanistic tribal traditions indigenous traditions mestizo traditions in Amazonia, but you've got a huge area. Um, and basically in that huge area of landscape, um, basically, um, there's many different traditions. There's many tribes and, um, it's generally the 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 shaman um, in 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 the village who is drinking, or it's everyone in the village. Uh, and I have heard in different traditions, like the Shwa people, they drink ayahuasca together in the rainforest, and for them that that in the daytime and they have a big party, hmm. you know. So there's all these different traditions, but we've got to ask like. You know, what does the shaman do in that state? Why would he be drinking? What What is the purpose of that? And traditionally, the purpose is for healing. The shaman will drink the ayahuasca 
and he'll be able to diagnose what issues people have and do maybe do spiritual healing with them on some level or channel the plants through him or her and um, enable some healing on that level. So the, the primary task of the, the shaman in the village or in the community is, is, is as a healer. You right. Know? So, I mean, I would see, I would say that ayahuasca is the primary healer. But ayahuasca is a very powerful healer and um, it's very rare to find a human being who can do as much healing as ayahuasca can do. Are you referring to the brew or the root? The, the vine. The vine. the vine, yeah. right, right. Um, because the, 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 the brew should have ayahuasca vine in it. Hmm. Um, and then it contains plants that have DMT in it typically as right. well. Right, right. So what were these brews like uh, that the shamans, I suppose, would used to use without necessarily... They wouldn't use DMT or just low DMT. Yeah, some of them, plants? some of them might not even use DMT plants mm-hmm. at all. They just use ayahuasca. Right. And part of the, the the healing is that it's called la purge, where you're throwing up, you're vomiting. Um, and generally, they don't use much DMT. If you have a drink with the shipibos, um, they don't use high DMT amounts in their brew. But they've learned mm. over the you know, especially the last fifteen years increase the DMT to keep the customers happy. Right, know? right. Yes. As a facilitator, you have to deal with people coming here. It's not working. It's not working. And it's like, um, yeah, it is working, but I want to see something. <laughs> you know, where is Jesus? Where are the aliens? You know, it's kind of annoying German tourists, but... Um, <laughs> That's what it's like you, as a facilitator, your expectation mm. manager. You yeah. You're telling people, yes, it's working. Don't worry about the visions of plants are doing spiritual healing with you. Right. There's a lot of people who are not really clear about what they're really in this for. And I think for a lot of Westerners, they're actually looking to have some spiritual connection. Um, even if they're atheist, which a lot of, you know, some people drink ayahuasca and they're an atheist. And mm. then they drink ayahuasca and then they start... They're not an atheist anymore because they've understood there's many different realities, you know? Yeah. So that's really common. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I don't have any clear understanding of what's actually going on, but mm. I definitely don't say there's no God mm. because I've... <laughs> I've seen some things. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> I've, met some, I've met some beings. Um and I've had some pretty, yeah, kind of like worldview shaking experiences. So I, I, I'm not going to say I know that to be uh, proof that there's a God or mm. that there's spirits, but it certainly looks, uh, it looks like it's not as black and white. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll I mean, at least say that. Yeah, it's fa- it's a it's a fairly you know the atheistic um, um, the position. It's fairly it's it's fairly similar to mm. belief in God. It's a very faith based. Uh, certain understanding of reality um but yeah i think what 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 people do realize when they when they take say ayahuasca uh because it's all about the dmt really i mean you can get the same effect with the syrian rue and the australian acacia and for me when i facilitate 
the I do that on the Saturday night. On the second night, we take the Syrian roux in acacia, and I consider that the main course. Is Syrian roux another MAO inhibitor? Yeah, it's an MAO right. inhibitor from Iran. Right, and it's used it's used as a incense in Iran. It's called Esfand. Right, and um, they use it to ward off evil spirits as an incense, and it's very effective. MAO inhibitors need like three grams whereas ayahuasca you might need like 100 grams okay so it's very effective it works very well and it really gives people what they're looking for in terms of the visions the, the ayahuasca generally brings a lot of darkness to the surface because I see it really brings up for people what's not working in their life. And then it all comes to the surface and then they can just sort of try and let it go, vomit it out. So you can just drink ayahuasca and feel very nauseous and awful because all these toxins are coming up, mental, psychic, emotional. You can feel completely bananas, like you're going completely crazy. It, does it affect, or, affect or, you psychologically? Yeah, yeah, that you're being poisoned even. Hmm. But it's just poisons coming up. Interesting. You, know, you yeah. can just you you can be, go completely crazy, but that's just your own mental toxins becoming unhinged. You're actually, you know, realizing you know what, though how those hinges are not properly attached, and right, right. maybe trying to get the hinges fixed a bit. Ideally, yeah. You yep. know. Um, uh, another thing reason I was really keen to talk to you was you are the creator. Discoverer, inventor, I don't know. Labels, we don't like labels. Of Chang'a. Yeah. Of Chang'a. And I would just like to say on behalf of all my friends, thank you so much for your service. (laughs) (laughs) You have gifted the planet with a true true gift with Chang'a. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did um, creating your own version of smokable DMT come about? Yeah. Well, um, it's it's not a particularly long story, which is good. Basically, um, at, the, at the time, we were getting a lot of goo, extracting acacias, and you can't do much with goo. So, um, infused that 50% into ayahuasca shavings. And then um, people said it was too strong. So, then I halved the strength, made it 25%, added maline, peppermint, some passion flower. Uh, and I was told by someone that maline and peppermint were the best herbs to smoke in DMT with. Uh, add some passion flower because it's got harmine in it. It's like, you know, sedative. There's some blue lotus for color. Mm-hmm. Bang. Original recipe, Changa. <laughs> and that's the recipe that I still use. So so it's actually got shavings of um, of the yes. ayahuasca vine. It should it. have. It should have. And people are very confused like they normally are about most things. Um, and have the idea that you should add extracted harmalas in there or that there should be some boosted ayahuasca vine, uh, that it should be potentiated somehow. It doesn't need to be. Hmm. It's powerful enough at, 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 uh, in the microgram range when you use ayahuasca smoked. So it, it's very quickly we did the tests and it was like, oh, it lasts longer. It's smoother, visions are better, you get an afterglow, this stuff rules. Okay, great. And, you know, smoking DMT, when I first smoked it, you just smoked it out of a glass crack pipe. Yeah. It was like, you know, and you first first time you try and it's like you put a bit of the, you know, the plastic furniture in the, 
in there and it's like oh my god it's killing your lungs the plastic furniture hurts and and then um you know you might not break through and it's really um yeah it's really tough to smoke Mm. you got you you know you've got to pull this like ah into the bottom of your lungs and then hold it in and um the best way um i think is using um, a, a bong or a water pipe. And, you know, with the with the ayahuasca vine helps you to integrate the experience. So it helps, um, helps really contextualize it within the human domain, like ayahuasca does mm. for the DMT. It helps kind of humanize it more. Because DMT can be quite cerebral and abstract. Nipikis can be so abstract and cerebral and extra dimensional. You do it and you're like, I have no idea what that was about. But it was powerful as hell at the time. <laughs> and now I have no idea what that was about at all. Yeah. So it's very elusive. When you smoke it with ayahuasca, it becomes more contextualized and you can integrate it more. So that's a really good benefit to doing it. I mean, you know, having that experience, that DMT experience, and you just like, you're dying of astonishment. You're having all these like nuclear, um, this, you're sort of going into the heart of this sort of nuclear weaponry being sort of exploded, all different, different levels of your being, you know, it's like waking up in a really profound sense. But when you come back down, you just, you back, a, you're asleep and you're like, all right, so what does that mean? And all you know is that it was powerful as hell. You couldn't deny it at the time. And you were just dying of astonishment, like Terence McKenna was saying, that this even exists because you can't, it, and the whole time they're saying to you, yeah, it exists, motherfucker, check out, check <laughs> out how it exists. It exists big time. And so a lot of it is this dialogue. This, this is what I would experience is like, oh God, until you sort of surrender. All right, it exists. All this exists. All right. Surrender. <laughs> then you can kind of go from there. The people who are just like, nope, doesn't exist. Nope, nope. It's just my brain. It's my mind. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, they did, I don't know what's wrong with them. There's something really severely wrong with them. Are you talking more about maybe the people that try to explain it away scientifically as it's, yeah, it's your brain yeah. firing off? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that most of the time, like those, those people, like, and even in the psychedelic realm, like... If unless you acknowledge there's something there to explore, hmm. unless there's something there to look at, unless there's something more than just like your brain or your mind, there's nowhere to go with this. This is just narcissism. Hmm. It's just pure narcissism. Like there can, okay, to some degree there can be a journey into the self, right, into your own consciousness, but it's not a real journey, right? There's the the real journey happens when you. You understand that, you know, we live in a multidimensional universe, you know, which is incredibly infinite and unexplored and unexplained. Mm. That's where the journey begins. If you're not at that point, you're nowhere, you know. You're just in this like nihilistic dead end. You're, you're in the prison of the mind. You're yeah. just, you're, you're, pr- you're basically a prisoner of your own mental consciousness. Mm. And it is often the case that, these people appear intelligent because they're they're really smart, but they're so smart they're dumb. 
<laughs> so that's there are a lot of people out there. There's quite a lot of people out there like that. And our society kind of venerates them. It's like, oh, you're so brainy and you can make all money and do lots of things. And uh, But actually, you know, if you can't escape the prison of your own mind in a, you know, kind of ontological sense, you're a bit of a sad case. Right, right, right. That's how I see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, nihilism definitely doesn't appeal to me. I don't know where you go with nihilism. Yeah. I don't know where you... Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, but I, I'm, I'm also just like, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those smart people that's so smart. They're dumb. I'm probably leaning no. towards the dumb scale of things. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you know, I can, I can listen to uh, people explaining it away metaphysically. I can hear people explain it away scientifically. All I really know is my experience yeah. and, um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty frustrating when it's dismissed as, as um, you know, just just a chemical reaction in the brain. <laughs> Again, it could be. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't it doesn't know. feel I like think, it. But. I think when people dismiss something as powerful and potent as DMT, mm. like they're really, they haven't investigated it properly. Uh, you know, when I, when I first got into it, I was just like, whoa, okay, this is amazing. And it was like, when I first did it, it was like 1999. Mm. And there weren't many people doing it then. It's just like, just, it's just, you know, very, very few people. So you've been tripping, you've been going very deep for, what's that? 20, 22 years now. Mm. Yeah, when I first um, got into DMT, not many people had done it. Even I remember my friend took some to the states in the early not in the early noughties. Mm. Some of the people he met just thought it was a myth, like it, they didn't even know. Like, oh my god, it will exist. Mm. Um, it, it just wasn't available. Just very select circles, very enthusiastic circles. So when I first got into it, me and my friend. We just went around giving it to people, doing sessions with people, giving it to hundreds of people. Just fascinated by it. Because it was so interesting. You know, you get so many different responses. And there's no, like, singular response to it. It's just like... And generally, there'd be a life-changing effect. There'd be this, like, catalyzation. But I think it seems to blast past through something in the brain... Um, it just seems to, to kind of, um, blast open the pineal gland. When I'd first did it, I noticed everything was just alive for a week, you know, really alive. Yeah. And, and now it's kind of funny, like 2021, I mean, just cause Joe Rogan talks about it and Kanye talks about it. <laughs> yeah, Kanye talks about, about it in his songs. It doesn't make it any less powerful, Yeah, you know, yep. um, at all. It's just, um. Just because it has these these cultural reference points, but mm. um, yeah, I think it I think it really can be a catalyst to people having. Uh, I think the important aspect of it is that people have a perspective that we that this reality um, is is just one reality, and that there are many realities. And gives people a sense of perspective and they can sort of see where they are in the cosmic frame of things. And, um, 
and I, 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 th I think it's beneficial. You know, it can be beneficial, but, you know, people are not going to get massive life-changing effects from, from DMT alone. I remember, I remember um, you know, meeting some bogan sort of guys, like way back when they smoked DMT, and they're just like, oh, yeah, he's smoking some fucking crazy patterns. I was fucking crazy, mate. What happens? I, you know, they're just like, they've got no reference point or way to articulate it at yeah, all. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, and they just, and it's just like, and then it just happens and they come back and, oh, fucking, whoa. It's <laughs> just know. shattering my reality, mate. <laughs> Is that where you get the name Changa from, from those Bergens? Or where, where does it have a deeper spiritual meaning? Or it's a pretty funny name. No, it was it was it was a joke name in a way. Um, it was it was designed as like a as like a bogan as like a bogan word um, <laughs> by design by design. <laughs> and you have these cultured Australians, these liberal voters, calling a chunga. Yeah, I've heard that uh, <laughs> a lot when I went over to the states. Everyone's calling oh, it chunga. Well, they call it chung chunga. Give it, put an accent on it. Sounds a lot more but, um, but there's mystical. The, but there's the the Australian version is uh, chung chunga, <laughs> chunga. <laughs> so to confirm, it is changa. It's changa, mate. Yeah. It's fucking pass pass me the fucking bonga changa, and we'll smoke some of that shit up, bro. <laughs> Good to see you keeping it true blue, you know. <laughs> so back back to kind of yeah your 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 creation of Chang'e, um, you're extracting goo. Uh, I, so yeah, I, I assume you're, you're well-versed in the psychedelic kind of, uh, world at this point. Um, I mean, is extracting DMT a difficult process? Do you, do you need to no. know a chemist? Is it? No, is it but when I started, there wasn't really a good guide online. There was one guy and it took a month. Hmm. Um, and the process was like a month and I was like, what a month. So I tried to figure it out myself. And I got some tips in email from a guy who said, look, this is what I do. And then I adapted what he did and I figured it out how to do it in a few days. So, yeah, it, it took, took me a little while to figure it out. And there were other people, specifically one person who I knew who was doing it, but they weren't going to show me how to do it. So, yeah, figured out how to do that. And it's not that hard. Hmm. But, you know, like I said, people make things as complex as they are. They make simple things complex, and this is what I learned. Um, this was hammered home to me in the whole like DMT extraction process. People, I showed a guy how to extract it, and then he wrote a 5,000 word guide about how to do it. Right. You know, when 200 words would have been better. Right. Yeah, so it's very simple, but simplicity is too hard for people. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's kind of um, almost speaks to like the very nature of DMT itself. It's uh, I'm no chemist and I really mm. don't know much, but as far as far as I've read, it's it's a really like simple molecule, mm. right? And it's and that's is that part of the reason it's in so many things? Well, it's not in that many things. It's not. A, no. Okay. Like when Shulman says DMT's everywhere, it's not. It's not. It's it, it's around. It's just not everywhere. Right. Like DMT in plants in the northern hemisphere. Nah, Not like a whole maybe lot. maybe Illinois bundle flower, Desmanthus Illinois, North America, maybe some of the plot, the reed, the the grasses, but not that much. Mm. No one's extracting from those grasses. 
um, like um, the Fragmantes and the Phalaris. Like some people are, but they're not getting decent amounts. There's not like people getting really serious about it because the yields are so low. Right, right. So it's not, it's not like, there's not trees in the Northern Hemisphere. And the amount of plants in South America, it's not that many. The amount of plants in Africa, it's not that many. I don't know anyone who's found a reliable source in Africa. Right, and right. I'm fairly well connected in Africa. So, okay. Yeah. So interesting that it's become such a thing of, uh, you know, Central and South America. Um, so Australia is probably, uh, would be a country with a lot of DMT. I yeah, mean, obviously in the, the in the acacias, yeah, mm-hmm. in the acacias. Yeah. But even then there's few, there's a f- only a few species that have really good amounts in there. Maybe there's a few dozen have a little bit in them, mm-hmm. and th- but there's not consistent or reliable. It's not that easy to find acacias to extract DMT from. You really got to know what you're looking for. It's not right. that easy. Right. That's yeah. uh that's flipped my idea mm. on its head. Yeah. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Mm. So what are the kind of um the most I've heard you talk about there's some in like Mount Buffalo and, and like in Victoria. Yeah. But people are very protective of yeah. these like microendemic acacias just growing one spot like Mount Buffalo. So yeah, there's other ones that say acacia crucifolia that's more common that people will extract from. But um yeah, you know, the bushfires have wiped out a lot of a lot of them. And, right. um, yeah, they're not as easy to find as they used to be. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, probably Acacia obtusifolia on the East Coast and Acacia cuminata on the West Coast is the, the more common species. Right. Yeah. What do you think it um, is? Like, uh, is chemistry, I mean, this might sound like a dumb question, but is chemistry kind of a language? Is it like a... Chemistry a language? Well, I mean, is it, is it kind of a, like... I guess is it the is it the keys to the gate? Is it just a isn't it? Uh, why why does DMT specifically have such a unique effect on on human beings that we know? What's well, it? I think I think the more interesting question is why is it in plants? Mm. And we don't know why alkaloids are in plants at all. Um, you know, people will say. Well, plants use alkaloids to protect themselves from the bugs. Hmm. But most acacias don't use alkaloids to protect themselves from bugs. Maybe like less than 5% use alkaloids and they manage to protect themselves from bugs just fine. Right. And producing alkaloids at DMT is very metabolically expensive. There's no reason to do it. Hmm. There's no reason at all. So um, I think my theory is that, or hypothesis, is that the acacias use DMT to communicate um, in, in that the trees have a function that is uh, relational, communicational, and they use DMT to do the work that they're doing on that like, level. Their, their, their livingness is mediated through DMT. So the acacia trees have DMT in them. They don't look like regular acacia trees. And they have like, uh, generally in Australia, they have phyllodes, which have an anastomizing veins, which means the nerves and the veins are not straight lines, but they create a reticulum, a network that looks like, um, if you're talking about the doctrine of signatures, it's the same as the, the neural network in the brain. You have all these nerve fibers interconnecting with one another, creating a network. 
So that's the signature that you know you have a, a good source of DMT, like most of the, the high-yielding um, DMT-containing acacias have a strong reticulum. And that's, that's how you know, you know, if you're looking for new species, that's how you know that you could have a good one that has a strong reticulum. Right. And, um, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, what is DMT... <laughs> Like I think I think yeah, it seems to be it seems to be like a neurotransmitter. Um, people, there's a guy called David Nichols who's like the the chemist. David Nichols. He he talks about. He says he doesn't think it is a neurotransmitter. Right. But it clearly is. It clearly is because it's very much related to serotonin, and I believe it's uh, facilitates a transmission of information between neurons. So it's an information processor. And it seems to allow like extra dimensional communication that that's the level of information that comes in extra dimensional level. Well, if you smoke like five MeO DMT, it's not that extra dimensional communication. It's like level of communication is on the level of like divine, cosmic, greater, unified level. It's was, not extra dimensional. I was wanting to ask you about five MeO because I have not uh, tried it, but um, the people that I've spoken to who have say. Basically, you think DMT is the the peak, and then five meo DMT will basically destroy that. It's just like it's so it blasts you really into infinity. Um, I can't comment because I haven't done it. Um, mm. Can you can you tell me a bit about it? Like it's it's from the toad. I know that. Yeah, well, it, it's in plants as well. I've done research on on five meo, which mm -hmm. is in plants. Um, well, interesting thing. Like it takes people into what what into this kind of like God place, this unified consciousness place. And people, a lot of people at the moment are quite enamored by it and believe it's the ultimate experience. And I don't really see it that way. I don't, I don't know how useful it is for people to keep going back there and smoking it. I'm not sure. Uh, how valuable or necessary that is. It's almost like reaching for a higher spiritual experience and keep going back. You know, I think chasing it, the dragon. I think it bit. really is the case of when you when you have smoke five meo, then you should you should really hang up the phone when you got the message, and you get the message pretty quickly. And I'm not sure how transformative that message is beyond a certain point. You know, I went to the World Bufo, a various congress in Mexico. And, the you know, the people in the toad scene, they're not like great ambassadors, as is often the case. Why is that? Well, you know, they're just, they're kind of, I think they're a bit stuck. You know, okay. they just kind of, they think they've really found something that works and they kind of keep going back for it. And they think it's the ultimate. So kind of, you know... As strange as it sounds to some people who might be outside the psychedelic scene, it can be quite egocentric and people can really become identified with the states they're entering into. You can kind of get to their head. Yeah, there's a lot of trippers that you meet after they get into the Aya circle that, um, yeah, that they've found their identity. You yeah. Know? The ego yeah. is reincarnated as the spiritual ego. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, there's a lot of pitfalls. There's a, not just one, there's many, many, many pitfalls. Um, and, and yeah, you can, you can very easily get an amplified ego from psychedelics. You know, you can have that ego dissolution, but just as easily you can have the ego amplification. 
mm. as, a, as a reactive element when you're integrating and coming to terms with these higher spiritual states. Right. Yeah. right. So, and five MEO is a bit like the ultimate higher spiritual state that people think it is. And I, I don't think that, and people are like, I found the answer, divine conscious enlightenment. And, mm. you know, you have these people like Leo Gura of actualize.org, um, um, you know, smoking 5-MeO DMT every day and 5-MeO DMT is the path to enlightenment. And yeah, you can smoke 5-MeO DMT and you can feel that you're enlightened as hell, you yeah. know. But then you're really going to have to come back to the human world and make something of it and, and do you do your monkey dance and whatever you want to do in the human world. That's what DMT always said to me. It's like, all right, human, you know, like, okay, you're having a human experience because all this is not human. Hmm. None of this is human. It's good to know that it exists. If you're going to be a human, it's good to know that. And I think that's part of the initiation that all these cultures have, like the Australian indigenous people. I feel for sure that was like part of their initiation having this okay you're a human being having uh you're a spiritual being having a human experience and getting that direct realization then you can live then you can really live rather than you know have, have this heaven's gate mentality is like i'm not happy being a dancing monkey i want i want something more than this you know yeah it can do the opposite of what it's meant to do you know yeah. right like it's uh you're meant to be finding i guess in the Ramdas world to be here now, you know, finding yeah. presence in, mm. in everything. But um, a lot of people, you know, uh, when you've got mind, body and spirit, they often forget one or two of those things and they um, just identify with spirit or just identify with this. And the, I yeah. guess the balance can, the imbalance can throw, throw us off. Yeah. I think, I think that we're at a, a tricky stage in humanity's evolutions. I think possibly, you know, psychedelics have, so many black swan elements in them and our society does not have the humility or the flexibility of mind or the really the sophistication to correctly interpret these states so i think we're looking for we're looking at a steep learning curve and then when you have this steep learning curve there's a lot of mistakes and collectively and collectively there's too much, um, again, there's not enough humility and, um, collectively there's too much ideology. There's too many fixed ways of thinking. There's too many people who are resistant to, um, yeah, coming to terms with what, what it's going to take to really apprehend what's revealed, um, because we're so stuck really. So what do you see the answer to that? Because I would have thought that's why most Westerners flock to shamanism, looking for that kind of the experienced guide who does know how to integrate all these new things coming at them. What, what if, well, if you're not sold on shamanism? What do you what do you see? A, well, a good way. You know, forward? like I said, the 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 Amaz, like shamanism is really a Western fabrication based on an understanding of what happens in indigenous cultures. So. There's no singular shamanism in terms of mm. like the 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 the, Am the Amazonian way. Yeah, I mean, I have drunk like a lot of ayahuasca with the the um, the, the the facilitators in in the Amazon, and the feeling is like, yeah, you're being guided, 
but it's like you don't get to find your own independence. Mm. You you really um, you're 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 very limited in where you're allowed to go. It's like no, don't don't go, don't move. You know, don't touch that. Or you really sort of in your cart and being dragged along a bit. Right. So it it, right. it creates a dependence on the shaman, and that's what they want because then you come back and you. Um, can can give them more money and and uh, more French chicks. So that's what they want. Serious. <laughs> the they want you to become dependent on them. They don't want you drinking on your your own and becoming independent. And be- they don't want you potentially becoming a competitor to them. Right. They want you. They want them to be powerful and you to be disempowered. So you know a lot of this. A lot of this is like. It's a quite a sophisticated investigation that most people are not. There's no. There's not many people really talking about it. You mm. know. I mean, for example, Alan Shoemaker, who put on the Amazonian Shamanism Conference in Iquitos in 2005. He did the first one in 2005, which I went to. And the second one I gave a talk to, he said he didn't even know of any shamans in the whole of Amazonia. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but that was based on his definition of what shamanism was. Mm. But he's quite happy to create the Amazonian Shamanism Conference, <laughs> right? Because it brings in the people. Right, right, right. So it's like there's different levels of interpretation as, okay, what's your, what's your definition of a shaman? What does a shaman do? You know, there's all that. Um but according to his specification, no, none of them really have the chops. Um, I think maybe he said he knew one or two, mm. one or two, something like that. So just, um, you know, again, I said I'm a dumb dumb. Shamanism is not, shamanism's basically, as far as I understand it, a a person who's meant to, well, a, a healer, kind of the, the, the healer of, of a group, um, and they might... Uh, Balance a tight rope walking thing between this reality and maybe yeah. another. Well, I think sham, like I, like I said, shamanism is really a Western concept. Okay, it came from a Romanian scholar, Mircea Eliad, and so it's a very anthropological concept. And the the the, sh- the shaman is the 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 like the medicine man basically. Right. right. Um, in, in the village and that they, they they you know there's many different medicine men uh, or, or in many different traditions and some of them don't use psychoactives for example so you know a lot of it might be a lot of the use of psychoactives is related to um, doing stuff like finding objects what do they call that I can't remember what that's called but they they they're finding objects, or they want to find out what the weather's doing, or they talk to the weather gods, or they um they 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 want to know what the local tribe is up to, for example, or they're looking at the 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 the, the, the omens and all this sort of thing. So they're basically like a soothsayer, you know. And some of them use psychoactive plants to get information for the group, the tribe, the village, whatever it is, the individual, whatever it is. So they're like the wisdom, the the priest. They're an intermediary between this world and the other world. And in a practical level, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, people want to find out 
very practical things from the psychic or, or tarot reader or whatever. It's a little bit similar to how it has been with the shaman. And yeah, generally, but the most basic sort of way we can understand the shaman is as the medicine man. They're basically right. the healer because they're, they're the physician, they're the psychiatrist, you know, all wrapped up into one. You yeah. Know? Sounds like yeah, the priest and and the doctor in in one yeah. neat package. Yeah, in one yeah. But but it's it's it that but that 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 role has been very much like de- decreased. And for example, there's there's some there's some they're not necessarily treated that well hmm. in the in the Amazon. I I know I have drunk with these um, guys, and they're 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 basically. People come to them and they bring a chicken and this, but you know, they're kind of treated like shit. All right, you heal me. Come on, heal me. You know, they're not treated with much respect. They're sort of like treated very functionally. They don't get paid very much money. They're not like doctors in the Western tradition. And then these people, but they have a good knowledge of plants. These people, they have a good understanding of ayahuasca. So they get, if they have some integrity and Western people like them, they get lifted up. And they become rock star shamans, and then most of them get corrupted. So the the way you're kind of talking about how they're treated is this kind of across the board? Or are we talking like specific? That's cultures? what I know of yeah. in Amazonia. I don't know right. that whether Amazonia. that's across the board, right? But right, in, right. in but in terms of like what we understand about like like I said, I'm not like a huge reader of anthropology because it doesn't really fascinate me that much. But we don't understand that much about. Um, shamanism in Africa, for example, the anthropology of it. Um, like the word shaman comes from Siberia, for example. And pretty much most of these cultures got wiped out before there could be any anthropological research done. In pretty much most of South America, most of the cultures got wiped out. And in Central America, um, Africa, like I said, is a little bit of a black spot. And you've got, you know, the cultures in, 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 um, you've got cultures in Asia as well, where, you know, you have the medicine people, places like Bali, you know, you've got the Balinese healers mm. and, uh, and, and, and then you've got an Indonesia, I think they're called Dayaks in Indonesia, but then they're very much, um, they're very much, um, uh, compromised by the missionaries and their, their, their culture is very much repressed and constrained. So yeah, for me, I don't use the word shaman. I reference, I just, I just like, I don't really talk about it that much. The Q shaman is like the nail in the coffin for me. It's just like, (laughs) this is just not a topic I even venture and go into. It's just not even right. I think we just need to go, okay, let's move on from that and start from square one and all right what do we actually want to achieve here yeah uh, with what we have with what we have and what we want to have and what, what do we want to do with these plants and and these states so that's that's how i've been approaching this so what is um what is kind of like a, a shamanless ceremony um is it <laughs> is it is it kind of a similar format is well, it like because okay. I, I imagine taking ayahuasca purely solo would be uh, very irresponsible. Well, I don't think it is irresponsible if people want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of people do do that, and they do get into that. That's really common. Um, I think that, um, like I said, the 
the the realm of people taking psychoactive doses of ayahuasca and having someone guide them is probably started in the 1980s and hit a started to really peak in 2005 when there was the first Amazonian shamanism conference. And that's when the tourists really started to come. Hmm. And then you've got all these people who want ayahuasca and they want guidance. And yeah, they sing these songs, these Icaros. Um, and a lot of these, these songs are the songs uh, that have been taught by the plants. Uh, I don't really like the songs or resonate with the songs. They're very repetitive. The musical phrases and songs are very repetitive and not that interesting to me. It's not your jam. And just hearing one, <laughs> especially one person sing these songs all night, it's kind of annoying. Bit of a buzzkill. And <laughs> I think that, yeah, like I said, you get this, you know, because there's not, there's like I said, there's no tradition in giving people these psychoactive, which for most people they can't comprehend that. What? What do you mean? Like, but his daddy was doing it and his grandfather, this is like, no, no, it's not the case that the villagers have been lining up to drink strong psychoactive medicine and then be guided by the, the shaman. That's not how it's been happening. This is something that's been happening since the mid 80s. 90s, noughties, and basically they've cooked up something. And so they've all got a different recipe, completely different recipe. Some of them don't even sing Icaros. They just sing their own songs. They just sort of make made it up. Right. You know, right. and some of them are really respected hmm. because they've made it up really well because they've invented something really quite good. Because hmm. it's So it's all an invention. You know? what, what about like all the kind of, um, you know, uh, Mexican traditions of, of cactus and things, which kind of go right back? That's, that's a, is, that a, is that a different kind of story than, than what well, you're talking specifically about the kind of ayahuasca? I think there is peyote, the peyote. And like I said, I don't read much into the anthropological um, story, but I do know that the Native American church in uh, America, they started to take peyote in the 19th century. And that was uh, in response to alcoholism within North America. And I'm not sure about like how that started and the story of it and how people, how they would use it traditionally. Um, the, the various people who would use peyote in the relatively small area in the Mexican desert, for example. But it was mainly peyote that mm. they would take. But that was probably, probably, like I said, if you want to like read up about this and find out, which I probably should do myself, um, they, I would say they probably took it within the realm of their own sort of traditional frameworks of initiation and group work and whatever. And if you want to go and do peyote, there's not like indigenous groups you can do it with. You've got to generally do it with a Native American church. It's not the Mexican... I've been to Mexico where the peyote grows. There's not... Yeah, the police are after you for one thing as soon as you go there. <laughs> but it, and, and definitely, I, I, I don't know people who've really taken the peyote with indigenous groups in Mexico or North America, only the Native American church who began in the 19th century. So yeah, that's the main tradition. In Peru, there are people taking the cactus. 
Um, I don't, and I don't know the 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 tradition of people taking the cactus. I think it's it's based within the realm of curandismo of of healing. You know, mm, yeah, it's not like there's heaps of people taking it, having cosmic visions, and actually doing something with that. Right, right. You know, it's 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 based within the realm of healing. And then same sort of story, you've got people coming through and wanting that experience and people willing to provide them that experience. Mm. So it's all the, all the gringos who want the higher dose cactus and, uh, and you know, you would have certainly a few people like, like, yeah, definitely there's a few people in the Amazon taking the higher doses, but they're using it, you know, for their own um, shamanism, for generally for what we what we would call dark sorcery, yeah. Right. So all this sort of anthropological informational stuff, it's not really interesting to me. You might have right. gathered that by my responses. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, there's books about this. It's not really hmm. my. It's not really well, my cup of tea. Let's move more into kind of like maybe entities. You know, when 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 we go into these kind of altered states, often often entities will will make themselves known to us what um how how do you feel like psychedelics or even dmt specifically or ayahuasca any of them really how have they i guess one shaped your worldview and two like what what do you think's kind of going on uh if if we take what we're seeing as some form of reality maybe it's a not the, like say not the human reality but a reality what 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 do you what do you think is going on in yeah, this reality I think, like i said i think it's very simple and like human beings have difficulty with simple things. They can't comprehend simplicity. And I think that, yeah, these are just spirits. They're just entities from other dimensions is all they are. Simple. Mm. And there's nothing more to it. Do you think it's access to one particular realm or do you think no, there are certain... multi-dimensional revelation? Right. So... For example, ketamine will take you to a completely different space than DMT will. Uh, mm. Mushrooms will take you to a different place. Yeah. Um, and if you do one and then the other, you can noticeably feel and see and, and whatever the, the completely difference of, of realm if, um, quite quickly if, if, if you're doing that, then that. Um, are these, do you think these beings are kind of, uh, are they looking for bodies to inhabit are they are they are we are we them we, but no, we just happen no, to have bodies no no you 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 you're kind of trying to li limit them right you know you're actually trying to sort of contextualize just what a they different are ecosystem altogether no many different infinite mm. amount of ecosystems infinite right. ecosystem and there's no singular intention you know, there's an infinite number of intentions. A lot of the time, what people report is they're being worked on, there's surgery happening, yeah. there, there, there's some healing happening there. Um, it, sometimes, you know, I've had some of these beings, they want to commune with you, they just want to say hi, they want to help, you know, they have blessings to give, or they can be malevolent and they want to eat you for lunch. You know, yeah. They don't want they they that you know they're not going to eat you alive, and they're not going to atta attach themselves, generally not attach themselves to you, but they're going to want to drain you like a battery, mm. you know. Um and and yeah, have some have have a feed, right? So that, why why do you think these certain entities are 
keen to do, you know, interdimensional surgeries on, on people. Well, that's the thing. But why does, say, when you take a boga, why is it doing all the healing work it's doing? Who's paying mm. it? Yeah. You know? I guess that's what I was saying when I was saying, what is DMT really? Yeah. Because that one compared to other substances, I've, I've, I often come away feeling that there's been some kind of loving energy yeah. in there. And I know that's not strict well, for everyone. Well, this is the thing. We have, the idea, we, have this, we have this idea of like what DMT is chemically, but maybe DMT is a lot bigger than that. You know, maybe that's not the end all. Because I say that DMT is not DMT. That actually, that really what we're talking of is a kind of a um, interface um, between us and the plants. And that each plant has a totally different spirit and consciousness. And so the DMT from each plant is totally different. Mm. But the the science <laughs> chemical people who who say the description is the reality that what we determine something to be is what it must be will tell you that 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 dmt is dmt and that it can't be anything but dmt whereas i would say well um actually that 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 dmt from one plant and dmt from another plant is often a communication from each of those plants spirit or each of that plant's consciousness. So that that's becomes very evident when you explore all these different, different plants that mm. we have, especially if you're an Australian person, you have access to all the acacias, then all the South American plants, and um, you, you have a good reference point. But if you're just in South America or you're in Europe and you don't have access to all these plants, you won't easily see that. You won't see that as easily. Because in Australia, you have so many acacias it's easy to see it and you're like oh they're totally different hmm. the experience is totally different so what do you what do you think um is the main difference between plant sourced psychedelics and maybe syn- just synthetic psychedelics that are just made in a lab well, without it, the plant you know that really i mean i used to be fairly into synthetics in the mid-noughties or so because mm-hmm. mainly because there was no spirit there that was just transparent. And in that sense, you could do, you could use it in a psychotherapeutic sense to really have a good look at yourself without having to be, in a way, uh, involved in the dialogue with a particular spirit. But then I, it became more and more obvious that these synthetic compounds had a spirit as well. And I called that spirit an anima, which is, uh, and I began talking to the anima the animas of these synthetic compounds and they just don't have a, a well-developed spiritual consciousness. The interface is not as advanced as say, you know, psilocybin mushrooms or from the acacia. So, um, and it doesn't interface well with the human. It doesn't interface in the same way. Uh, it doesn't, is not as succinct or as smooth in how they communicate with us. And they don't know what they're doing. In this. They're not as sophisticated. They can't actually mesh with the, the organic matrix. So I can't. I stopped doing them totally. Right, right. So, you know, there is that some people will say, oh, well, that's just the, you know, natural is better. And, you know, if synthetics are the same because, you know, if made in the lab, it's the same. As... So, yeah, it's not. It's totally not. And you really find that with the... the the 5-MeO-DMT and um, 
the synthetic 5MeO is totally different to the, the 5MeO from the Toad. Um, and, and mescaline from the synthetic mescaline is totally different. It's not as good. It doesn't have the vibrancy or communication in it. Hmm. It's empty. Yeah. So there's, cause there's nothing, there's no like, yeah, there is some like anima, like synthetic intelligence in there. You can communicate with it, but it doesn't have as much to say. Right. It doesn't have, <laughs> it doesn't have the wisdom of, you know, and all the consciousness that, say, psilocybin does, you know. So synthetic psilocybin, it's like, and I haven't taken it, but I met people who have, and they just say, yeah, it's empty. Or synthetic DMT. I actually was given some at some point, but I never took it. Right. And friends said, yeah, it's just, it's Not just the same. a replica. It doesn't have the, the soul. It doesn't it doesn't, have the, no, it yeah. doesn't have, there's nothing <laughs> in it. But some friends said it could take you deeper in some ways. Than the the um then then in the natural DMT. I think if you're talking about the higher doses, say with five MeO two, it's all going to take you to the same place. Mm. You're not going. There's, there's no one there to to say, mm, yes, the synthetic five MeO is this or that compared to the natural. There's no one there. You just it's just like a window. It's just a window to that place. Right. You know. So. Yeah, especially you know at the lower dose is a difference between natural and synthetic. But generally, you know, I'd say in the early mid-noughties, there was quite a lot of synthetic chemicals around because they were coming from China. China seems to have like locked down on a lot of that. So there's just not as much available. And especially with the whole N-bomb thing, people have become a bit spooked because you, with the M-bombs, you can easily OD and... What's the M-bombs? These, these, um, they're, they're based on synthetic phenethylamines, the M-bombs, and they're active just at a few hundred micrograms. So they can be laid on blotters. But when you take five of them, you're going to have an overdose. Right. So this is just like a different synth- synthesized yeah, drug. It's, okay. a, it's a synthetic phenethylamine. Right. I haven't yeah. heard of it. So, yeah, they're kind of like they're, they're, their time has come and gone because you'd buy them very cheap. You buy for a few hundred dollars um, at the amount you could you could make what looked like LSD, 10,000 LSD uh, journeys for a few hundred dollars rather than $20,000. Right. So, right. and then the people would take a few of them and they, they, they go off the cliff or they end up in hospital. Yeah. They sound they scary. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is something that happened some years ago. And I think M bombs, they've kind of fallen off a cliff. So I think over time, you know, there used to be a lot more these synthetic chemicals about and people take, oh, what, you know, what, 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 what's out there? What can you get? And most of them are based on tryptamines and phenethylamine. So, you know, you get some really good cactus or really good mushrooms because not all mushrooms are the same. Right. Um, Definitely. And this is like 101 for people into mushrooms, like, mm-hmm. you know, cultivated mushrooms from him or her. Totally different. The wild mushrooms are totally different yeah. again. Yeah. Because they get a different consciousness, different spirit. It's not just, you know, psilocin and psilocybin. It's very, you know, the, the, the reduced explanation is not the truth. It's just an explanation that's convenient for us to use. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of retarded. But <laughs> like I said, a lot of retarded people out there. <laughs> yes, there are. Uh, you were kind of saying before, 
you know, now DMT and all these kinds of things have become very mainstream. But um, and I've even noticed now that that's mainstream, you're getting things like 5-MeO being talked about more and uh, Iboga being talked about more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned Iboga before. Um, I don't know much about it. What, what can you tell me about it? Yeah, so um, Iboga is a West African shrub and um, it's... It's, it's used by the people of the forest in, in West Africa uh, in their initiation. And they'll pretty much take it once as their initiation in becoming a man, as a teenager. And they give them massive doses. Uh, and it might so much so the dose might kill you. And then they won't take it again except maybe before when they die. They'll just take little bits and pieces. Or, or if they're like, uh, a, a priest or something they might take the bigger doses um but um yeah it's 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 been used for detoxing heroin addicts particularly but it's coming back and i think probably will gain more and more attention because like it will take you really deep into um your awareness of yourself as a human being and can do a lot of deep powerful healing work with you as well um, so yeah, yeah, it does work as a, as an agent of detoxification from the opiates, but I think that, um, its main use is one of spiritual healing and self-inquiry and, you know, getting you, getting one shit together. So yeah, but it's, there are more people in West Africa growing it than there used to be, but it's just still not like, you know, it's still there probably needs to be more people growing it there. There's a limited amount of it growing. Is the experience a, uh, a, a you know, trans, transcendental one? Is it, is it a, a it heavy depends. psychedelic? Or it is can it... be, but it's generally quite personal. Right. A lot it, of hard truths. Yeah, it can be personal. Like I, people, people think that a bogue is like this big black man who wants to hit them over a stick. and um, But it not... The aboga will just tell you the truth, you know. Like I know this guy who, the who's who's done aboga a few times, and aboga t- said to him, "Look, if you're going to continue being this unconscious, this is what your future lifetimes are going to look like." And then he had that experience. He didn't speak for a week after that. You wow. know. So it doesn't pull. You know, it's not there to punch you. It's just there to say, "Hey, this is what's going on." It's the intervention. It's not, there's maybe not hard truth. Maybe there's just truth. Mm. And often truth is hard to, for people to, to come to terms with if they're in delusion or denial or they're, you know, ter- they're, they're in a disassociated sort of framework where they're not, they're not, uh, they're not with it. Yeah. Mm. And I think a lot of addicts are in this framework where they're, they're not with it. And they're making decisions that are going against their best interests, for example. So yeah, it's it, it's it's a you know it's good to get a it's good to take something like that and get a second opinion on your own character, because it's not like a human being or a therapist or something something like that, where you know there's some there might be some agenda there. The plants you just like you can you can receive what they have to say. You know they don't. Well, like they don't give a shit, but they don't have an agenda, right? At all, and you, and you know what they're saying is true, because it resonates with you, and you know what to be, you know what to be true. You know? So if 
I'm, if if you're you're much more much more taken by the 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 dialogue with the plants, where do you think the wisdom of the plant spirits, the plant whatevers, is? Where where do you think that wisdom comes from that that can interact with your yourself, well, your mind? This is the thing: plants don't have a mind. Right, they're mindless, so they're connected. They are wisdom. They're connected to wisdom. Whereas the issue with human beings is they have a mind. Like I'm continuing to say that people have this artificial construction that makes them stupid, that they think is clever and it's not, it's dumb. And so they're disconnected from wisdom because they're in this explicated artificial mechanism, you know. Whereas if you were to just like unfold that and collapse it, you would be more connected to your own wisdom. You would be more intelligent. You know, like indigenous people are. They're just with it. They're with mm. it. The hinges are correctly, um, you know, the hinges are, are, are correctly hinged. Oiled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you think, what do you think wisdom is in, in that sense? I mean, obviously the, what we would call wisdom, but, yeah. but wisdom more on the sense of, Plants don't have a mind yet; they're connected with the wisdom, and they can deliver that. Like, what? What do you think that kind of? What do you think that is? Well, I think it's possible. It's possibly more like a Zen no mind, hmm. and I think that in that space, because there's there's no mind, there's all mind. You know, there's hmm. there's, there's there's simply access to uh, information and understanding. So there's not any sense that any plant that you that you're talking with. Yeah, they they can tell you anything because they mm. can they can find out, you know, or they know someone who does. So it's like the internet. Yeah, really, you know. So it's like that. Um, I would, yeah, that that's a good question. I think, you know, what is wisdom? I think it's like understanding. Wisdom's more like understanding um, how things work, you know. Um, and I think human beings are largely brainwashed especially Western human beings are brainwashed by religion, they're brainwashed by science, which is another kind of religion, they're brainwashed by ideology, they're brainwashed by advertising, entertainment, all these ideas about how reality is, how things are, how this works or doesn't work. A lot of this is bullshit. Hmm. Like things don't actually work how Hollywood how says sold, they do. Yeah. Yep. You know, it doesn't, and advertising is not really... You know, it it, 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 it it it's designed to get us to buy stuff that we don't really need and designed us to feel awkward, uncomfortable about ourselves and, and that and that, you know, someone else is living a better lifestyle and then we have that bag and we can live like them. All that kind of bullshit. So there's we're being brainwashed on many levels and the education system brainwashed us. So we're basically being, you know, being given uh, a dud understanding of what reality is so i think when you take the plants they'll kind of give you a understanding of how your brain has been washed mm-hmm. um or dirtied really yeah, you yeah. you haven't been brainwashed you've been, been brain washed. muddied <laughs> you've been your brain your psyche has been despoiled it's mm. been it's been muddied it's been distorted, it's been contorted and manipulated into understanding a version of reality that is in fact bullshit. And then that process of coming to terms with reality can be profoundly shocking 
because it's not, you know, it's not, it's quite uh, wild. And when you understand the nature reality, it's quite wild and raw like nature, you know. And I think because these plants, they are connected to nature and they are nature and they are wild and they are raw, they are just like connected to how the universe works, you know. Like when you have the geometric patterns and you, you're literally seeing how the universe works mm. in mathematical um, equations, right? That's what geomet geometry is. It's how the universe is working and that, that's absolute purity of information right there. So, you know, geometry is wisdom. You could say that. Geometry is wisdom. And I think by taking the plants, you can get an understanding of like what, uh, you know, what it is to be in tune because they they are already in tune because they, they never had a brain. They never had a mind that could take them out of tune because they're always in tune. So they're vibrating with the wisdom of the universe and they're connected to everything. And we're not. We're disconnected from everything, you know. We're out, we're out of sync with everything because... Our civilization and everything we do has done that to us. And we're in denial of that as well. So the plants will work upon your denial and will work about setting you to you commonly give people that experience of transcendence and connection, which is beyond, you know, the individual individualistic industrial ego. It'll give you an experience of connection. So you can understand what it's like to have that because our society encourages compartmentalized narcissism, you know, and disconnection. So the plants will show like a much more sane way of going about reality. And like I was saying, no one's paying them to do that. They're just like, they, they see us and they see, okay, well, these guys are way out of sync. They're obviously batshit crazy. They're actually completely insane. And um, maybe we can do something for them. Give them a nudge in the right direction. Yeah. Or, you know, give them a whack over the head with a four by two is more like <laughs> it, you know. And I, so I think that's totally appropriate, you know, just going in there and getting whacked over the head and going, and then, oh, yeah, it hurts. You know, it hurts and it's hard. So you've got to get over your own cognitive dissonance and your own arrogance and realize you're full of shit and then let it go and move on and learn something about how things work, really, hmm. you know. So I think that's too hard for a lot of people. They're too stuck in their very limited ideologies they think are so clever. Yeah. Um, like we were saying, yeah, people, are, you know, people, a lot of people, they don't have a free mind. They don't actually have a mind that can think because they're so stuck in their ideologies. They can't apprehend reality. Um, if you're in your ideology and your scientism or whatever, your religion or whatever, you can't actually apprehend things as they are. You're stuck. And there's no way forward, you know. It's like, oh, if there's just you and your mind and all you're seeing is just a projection of your brain, there's no way. Disney can't go anywhere. Hmm. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. What, what do you think the, the purpose of us having a, a self-aware, um, conscious mind is and not just uh, maybe a few steps back, back to maybe, maybe a, few, a few steps down where we're actually, you know, more in tune, like more like animals? Why, why do you think we've 
evolve past that an animal mind, if that makes sense. Well, or you can even say, like, why are there plants in the first place? You know? Yeah, yeah. Why does any life Yeah, exist? why is anything happening? Totally. <laughs> so you kind of jumped ahead. There's some presupposition there which I'm not clear on. Right. <laughs> um, I guess what I'm alluding to is, do you think maybe there's, there's a, a reason um, that maybe you've kind of come um, to a conclusion with through all your use of psychedelics that maybe the reason our brains have gone into this kind of self-aware, um, you know, we have an ego. I mean, animals, as far as I know, don't seem to have an ego. Maybe they do. I don't know. Um, but uh, all, all these kind of human traits, uh, are these, do you think there's kind of like... Uh, you know, maybe like the the model of karma, for instance, the where where our 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 role is to transcend, our role is to be in harmony and then be liberated from the the wheel of you know reincarnation. Do 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 you, well, do you think it, there's any of that? Well, say if you think about how the Australian Indigenous people lived, I think they largely lived in harmony with their environment, with each other. They learned to do that over thousands of years, mm. and. Um, and we're not, we're not in harmony with each other. We're not in harmony with our environment. You know, we're, we're, we're disconnected. So, and I think most indigenous cultures were fairly in tune and connected and with it. Like even, um, even, yeah, right, right, right through Africa and, and Asia and all those traditional cultures, they, they survived and they were in harmony and they lived in such a way, not, not to say that all of them were fantastic and, you know, weren't, they weren't doing stuff like headhunting or, you know, human sacrifice or mm. cannibalism or whatever. But, you know, they, they were largely operating within a cooperative um, culture that that was that 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 work that didn't stress ego that didn't that wasn't greedy and that didn't have this this you know possession by the mind you know people live within a cooperative collective sphere which is off you know very often the case in many cultures you know um what was you, what was your question again i didn't quite capture it um I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to work out basically how we got in the mess that we are in now, mm. whether or not you might think that there is a grander purpose to things through your extensive investigation into plant medicines and psychedelics and chemicals of all nature and whether you might think that and, – and I guess like kind of the, the guts of my, com my, of my question really is you know, what's kind of your, like, your mission statement with, with all the work that you do, with, with your – uh, twenty-two year inquiry um, into all this stuff. What, what are you? What are you looking for, or what are you um, trying to share? Well, I suppose um, what I became aware of when I would go deeply into these spaces when I first was really doing that from 2000, 2002, for a couple of years, I was going really deep in there. Is I saw that. What was revealed to me, it's really evident that there was a framework for humanity to live in that was um, not 
constrained and conditioned and mediated through this artificial mental landscape, that it was uh, a space that was our natural inheritance. And I think related to what I was saying about Indigenous people and traditional people, I think they lived more closely to a framework of existence that was um, uh, than we do to to then to those innate frameworks that give us coordinates they give us uh, balance so that we can live in a way that's satisfying and that we can um, you know be connected in a spiritual sense and I think yeah the Western industrial civilization which I'm a product of has really disconnected humanity from itself and you know, we're doing a good job of converting everyone all the cultures to a disconnected industrial civilization which is you know not based on any primary values at all and i think um when we come into this the the space of the you know the psychedelic space in a in a in a, in a receptive frame of mind we can uh understand what primary human values are so i think that um yeah i i would say that that i'm 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 most most interested in understanding what it would take for humanity to come back to primary values and i think psychedelics can help but i think it will what the our society is opposed to um, that deep surrender into a more innate intelligence. I think we we are divorced and disconnected from ourselves collectively and individually in the way that our minds work, the way our language works. Uh, we're involved in all these limitations that are so um, disconnected. And yeah, I'm definitely interested in what a new language would look like you know what a truly global human language would look like so i think that would be that would enable a global humanity like a globally connected humanity so i think that's that's something that we should be aiming for not like not a humanity that's connected via facebook or amazon or some sort of intermediary that's trying to sell us stuff, but uh, a truly spiritual psychic medium of communion and communication. Because I think that's what humanity wants to do with itself. That's that's what that's what I think you understand when you go into these states. Is that consciousness wants to understand itself? It wants to experience the human realm. It wants to learn what it is to be human wants to be an artist um, in what it is to be human and it wants to um, commune and love itself it wants to express what it is and be recognized for what it is in a, in a collective and individual sense so I think that requires like new new mediums of interchange um, and yeah, I mean, how related is that to psychedelics? I think, you know, psychedelics could be a tool for humanity to evolve to, you know, new mediums for uh, relating 
you know. And I think possibly what's fascinated me, um, not more than anything, but something that's really fascinated me that I've come across telepathy. You know, when you're taking experiences, when you're taking these plants, you're having a telepathic experience with them. And I've also had telepathic experiences with human beings, which doesn't require any language. It's like there's no intermediary of language isn't necessary anymore. So I think that's like very definitely, you know, if we really want to understand each other and get along with each other, I think we need to be more open to new ways of being receptive, though not so can you know new ways of communicating not so constrained and limited and uh, you know i think english is comparatively lame language i don't speak other languages but i know how lame it is from talking to other <laughs> people who speak other languages and english and they they tell me how lame it is for communicating so much it's very much a language of commerce and there's not many i mean for example all we can say to each other to, to wish out to wish one another well is good luck i mean it's very fatalistic it's mm. like there's not there's not an easy way to wish someone well and in an understanding of, of what wellness is and what could happen and how they could manifest it it's just like oh good luck you could have a lot of good luck or bad luck it's not very <laughs> intelligent <laughs> um what what's kind of um helped uh i guess what what experiences have you had with with telepathy? Have these been psychedelic experiences, or do you feel that this is something that you've accumulated over the years? Or? Yeah, I had it in my in my in my um, I've had it in my regular state of consciousness more than taking psychedelics, and just with people, especially women, because women are more tuned into that level. Um, had that experience. So especially one woman um, that was like 18 years ago and we would talk half in language, half in telepathy. So you'd talk half a sentence, then the rest of it would be telepathic. Then you start again with words and then half. So it's like talking one language mm. and then talking half English, half Swahili. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like good, it's a good way to test it and you could just communicate that way so you kind of feeling solid that all oh, right the meaning is continuous what about sober psychedelic experiences yeah but you know there's all this sort of talk about i don't even know if there are psychedelic experiences anymore or maybe communicate communication with entities has that ever happened without, yeah, without I, substance? For me, I get that all the time. That's like continual thing that happens now. And I don't think that's a special state of consciousness. I think everyone has that potential. It's something that's already happening. It's just you get to tune your radio to it. What does that look or feel or sound like? Is that, a, is that hearing? Is that seeing? Is that... Yeah, it's telepathy. It's mm. seeing. It's feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not as clear and as deep and profound as when I take psychedelics, but it's, it's very, um, obvious that when I'm communicating with beings and yeah, so that's, that's, it's not, um, it's not all the time, but it's, it can be, it can be a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Man, thank you so much for today. Um, what do you, what do you kind of, how, what is, what is your, like, they, you move around a lot, don't you? What what mm. what what are you kind of working on now? And like, 
Well, I'm finishing editing a documentary series based on 50 interviews with psychedelic people in Australia. Mm -hmm. And I'm editing a book which is um, based on the future humanity. And they're the two big projects I'm trying to get done by the middle, middle part of 2021. Awesome. Great. And... And then later 2021, I want to start making erotic films. That really? Be, yeah. Wait, really? What's, mm. what's, um, just, be, just cause something you've always wanted to do? What's that? Just because? No, just something last, creatively? like eight years or so, I've really been getting that impulse to do that and the idea to do that. Yeah. I just think it's really needed that people create the, especially when you take psychedelics, you can have a beautiful, uh, experiences of, the erotic imagery and um, the cinema that you can see in the visual sense. No one's doing that in the in in. We just have a very plastic, artificial pornography. So it's really kind of bullshit. And the only reason people aren't doing it, it's probably a bit hard. It's not easy. Okay. You know, and I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I have some ideas, but the I the pornography is like very harmful. I think it's not very representative as to what human sexuality is or can be. So we need to we need to really, you know, raise the bar. Right. So that's the idea. Raise the bar by raising bars. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> raising bars? What bars? <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Um, well, mate, thank you so much. It's been really fascinating conversation um, and great to actually dive a bit deeper because I've seen a, a bunch of your talks online and, and in person. And... Um, do you want people to to find you anywhere or your, no. your, your website? No, I don't want them to find okay, me. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, mate. <laughs> and thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.